The scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Last week, Pastor Al laid out the value and sanctity of handmade items. He spoke about our being created by God and how we are to be gentle and careful with one another, noting that all of God's creations are treasured and precious. That may on the surface seem like a very simple message but it is one that needs to be repeatedly shared and lived out. It's a message that carries a greater degree of depth and has implications that stretch far beyond a Sunday morning sermon. As we prepare for the fall season, uh, resuming a normal schedule, or um, buying Halloween decorations that are already out in front of Kroger, um, it's very easy to forget the events of just this past summer. It was June 12th when the Orlando shooting happened. And it was on July 3rd when a coordinated bomb attack in Baghdad resulted in the deaths of over 300 people and injured hundreds more. Hundreds. And one month ago, almost exactly, when 85 people were killed and 307 injured when a 19-ton cargo truck was deliberately driven into crowds celebrating Bastille Day in Nice, France. It is tragically clear that the value and sanctity of life needs to not only be remembered, but as holy creations of the living God, we have an obligation to speak this truth 
and to practice it. In order to effectively do those things, we're going to uh, look into God's Word a little bit here this morning and try and gain a deeper understanding as to perhaps why we were created. Um, if you ever wanted a sermon on the meaning of life, this might be it. <laughs> but uh, FYI, it's a two-parter that we'll finish next week. Um, my friends, God has created something amazing. And as Al said last week, God don't make junk. So there is a reason, there is a purpose for our creation. We're not just here to look good. We're not eye candy for some heavenly bodies. There is something special and unique about being made in the image of God. Something that separates us from the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Something that has pulled us out of that primordial ooze and has set us apart. So let's look at our text this morning and see if we can begin to figure this out. Um, FYI, I love Genesis. I love it. We're best friends. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. Oh, I get that. I could spend all day in that. The carpenter coming into the workshop clicks on the light. And that was the first day, evening and morning. And the second day, God made the dome and he separated the sky from the waters. And that was the second day. And yeah, that's good. That's good. Day three, God called forth the dry land of the earth, and the waters were gathered together, and he called them the seas. And that was good. And vegetation sprung up. Plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth. And that was good, and that was the third day, evening and morning. And then God said, let there be lights in the dome, the sun and the moon at night. And that was good. And then the waters brought forth swarms of living creatures and birds flying above the earth and great sea monsters and every kind of living creature that moves in the waters and swims and every winged bird. And God blessed them. And that too was good. And then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures, cattle and creeping things and wild animals. And it was so. And that too was good. And then on the sixth day, God said, let us make mankind in our image. And you can look at that and you can say, oh, God's talking to the angels and the archangels, or the other heavenly bodies to say, let us make mankind in our image. Or you may look at it as um, the triune God speaking. Let us make God in our image together. And so God did. In God's image, male and female, he created them. Hello? <laughs> he created them. And God said, this is for you. This is for you. I have made this for you. Go. Play. Let's go see it. Come here. Let me show you this thing. And together, they were there. And on the seventh day, God rested. And so if I flip that and I look at it, I say, okay, well, what were we doing? What, was, what, was, what were humans doing during that time? We have male, you have female, you've created them. We have all of creation set before us. 
And on our first day, we spent it with God. God wasn't working on that day. God didn't have anything else to do but hang out with us. We were made to be with God in that moment, that seventh day. Think about we're coming to church. We are being with God on this seventh day. I connect with this story um, in two uh, distinct ways. As a teacher for nine years, I know a lot of my former colleagues are getting ready to go back on Monday. Right, Katie? So excited about it. (laughs) Teachers are going back and they're unpacking their boxes and they're hanging stuff up and they're getting stuff ready in their classrooms. And I remember doing this and I remember coming back. I had packed everything up so they could clean my room. And um, I would come back and I'd unpack and just I'd see things. Oh, yeah, I forgot I had that. And, oh, this will be good for the kids. And, oh, maybe we'll use this in October. Or maybe we'll, I'll finally get around to um, letting them play this instrument this year. And they've always wanted to play with this. Maybe we'll do that. And hanging stuff back up on the walls. And I had lines on the floor that I would have to paint so it would be down for a longer period of time throughout the year, showing the kids where to sit and come in and where their spots were. And the first year of teaching was madness. But these, the last eight years, I would always have some extra time after getting my room set up. And I would just find myself, before the students came in, like on that last teacher workday, just kind of standing in the middle of my room, looking around and going, all right, that's good. That's good. And maybe I'll move a little piece here. And maybe I'll put a little piece over here. You know, it says even there, and on the seventh day, God finished his work. So I, I imagine him like putting together a platypus with some leftover pieces or something. <laughs> But even on that last day, you just have a couple little extra things to get right. And so I would be there just, you know, adjusting and moving or planning. And I I even do it when I clean the house. I'm just so happy that the house is clean sometimes that I'll just stand there. Ellen's wondering, what are you doing down there? I'm like, nothing. I'm just standing in the clean kitchen because I'm so happy that it's clean. Everything in its place. It's nice. It's organized. It's ready. I also identify with the story of creation as a parent. And for anyone else who has brought another living being into the world, um, you'll you'll understand with this moment. But after both of my, my children were born and all of the work and preparation that goes into that, and then the work of the delivery, and then you have that day, the first day. And you need to rest. And you grab them and you up and you hold them together and you rest. And you just, you are with them in that moment. Now, Ellen clearly needed more rest than me. But it's that idea that as a parent, you connect to that and you know it and you find that rest after creating. We are made to be with God. Every part of our being confirms this. When we come to worship, the songs that we sing, the very act of worship itself is to come into contact and be in the presence of God Almighty. To lift up your voices in praise and thanksgiving. When you come to church, you are coming back into uh, the garden in a sense. You are coming into the house of God, a place where God is found. You know Him to be here and to speak with God. To know God better. We are made for this. And for a very brief moment in time, we had it. And more. We had it all. 
the whole of creation set out before us, all that we would ever need or desire, and we blew it. With that first sin, that first denial of God's word, and that first bite, we separated ourselves from God. We separated ourselves from his divine presence, and we were cast out. Out into the wilderness to work the earth from which we were made. And for thousands of years, we wandered, we died, we fought, we cried. And through every bit of it, from the moment the gates were shut, the cherubim and flaming sword took their place. God has been working to bring us back. And that is where the gospel of Jesus Christ begins. So often we think of Advent as the beginning of the Christian year. We view the birth of Jesus and Christmas Day as the kickoff to our salvation. Um, but I would challenge those perceptions and propose that the story of our salvation is not confined to the New Testament. It does not begin with our knowledge of Christ, but it begins with our need for Christ. Every time we take communion, we come and we confess our sins and lay them at the foot of the throne, and we hear these words. We hear that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love for us. So my friends, when we talk about being made in the image of God, when we talk about the sanctity of all human life, and when we look for perhaps a reason behind our creation, we must take into account that as each of us was being intricately woven together in our mother's wombs, we were being made by pierced hands. The same voice that spoke light into the darkness, the voice that pulled the mountains up out of the depths of the oceans and called all of creation into being, is the same voice that said, Take and eat. Drink this. All of you. Love is powerful. And God is love. And as Paul wrote to the churches in Rome, I too am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And as awesome and as great as that sounds, it really only focuses on the external. Rulers, powers, all the rest of creation. God has done the work. Jesus has paid the price, and the only thing that now separates us from God is ourselves. And as we've seen over these past few months, specifically, what happens when we separate ourselves from God is horrific. So this morning I ask you, what separates you from God? What does it feel like to be caught up in the darkness and cut off from the light? In his last words to the disciples, Jesus said, Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is with us. We know that. 
but are we with him? I'm sure most of you have been watching some of the Olympics. You can't escape it. But Ellen and I were watching earlier this week. And um, I'm a fan of uh, the synchronized diving events. So we were That was on one evening. And so we watched that whole event. And um, after winning the silver medal in synchronized diving in Rio last week, um, David Bodia, who's from the United States, said in his interview out to millions of people, there's been an enormous amount of pressure, he said. I felt it. It's just an identity crisis. When my mind is on this and I'm thinking I'm defined by this, my mind goes crazy. But we both know, he's talking about his diving partner, we both know that our identity is in Christ. And we're thankful for this opportunity to be able to dive in front of Brazil, in front of the United States, and it's been an absolutely thrilling moment. And then they interviewed his diving partner, and he echoed those same sentiments. Our identity is in Christ. And it hit me. It struck me. And I was reminded that we are defined by the company we keep. And through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, every day provides us with a new opportunity to once again walk with our Creator to speak openly and freely with God and to share his presence with all of those around us. Amen.